I mean, it really is. And I think, I think the Lord is full of joy. He's full of peace. He's full of those things. And so in these moments where we laugh, in these moments where we're silly, I'm telling you, the Lord is uh, he's laughing in these moments. He's enjoying these moments. These moments that sometimes we get so crazy like, oh, man, well, you know, like if I've been to other churches, I'm going to tell you right now, a kid being on the stage would just be almost impossible. And uh, I remember when we used to bring Reese up over at First Assembly. And like, I might hear one or two, like, uh, I might get irritated a little bit at that. I'm like, well, how else do they learn? How else do they learn to become worshipers? How else do they learn unless they watch you? And these kids are watching all the time. And I tell you, sometimes I wonder if we shouldn't just watch them, man, because they have no inhibition. You know, they don't get embarrassed at all by how their dancing goes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, those, like that, come on, let's be honest. There's no, like, real dancing going on. There's no, like, organized dancing going on, right? But they don't care. They don't care. And they think it's all hilarious. We, we could really uh, learn from that, I think. I think sometimes we're too, we're too stiff, you know, too tight. It's okay. It's okay. Well, man, it is officially December, and we moved away from the month of Thanksgiving and into this month of Christmas. Praise the Lord. Uh, and when this is kind of where we remember the generosity of God who gave us Jesus uh, 2,000 years ago. Uh, it's a month. And for many of us, it's filled with all sorts of memories, right? I know I've got all sorts of memories as a kid uh, growing up in East Texas in our single-wide mobile home on five acres. And uh, my parents were scraping every dollar they could to eventually build a home on that five acres. But up until I was in high school, we lived in a single-wide mobile home. And, I, and you know what? My parents were really good about Christmas. I mean, we would come out, and man, there would be so many presents laid out, you know, and this, we would literally come, I remember coming out of my bedroom thinking like, I'm going to stay up forever just to see what I got, right? And I could never do that. Like, I was like, I'm sitting in my bed. I am staying up. I will not go to sleep. And no matter what, I always went to sleep. And uh, it, <clears throat> the, uh, I would wake up and I got awesome gifts. Now, my wife doesn't think I ever got awesome gifts. She's like, that is terrifying, the gifts that they would give you. Like, how old were you? I was 10 when I got my first machete. That's pretty, that's pretty old to get a machete. All right, like my grandma used to buy us Ninja Stars just for fun at the trade market. You know what I mean? Like, that's just for fun. I cannot believe, like, <laughs> me and my brother were talking the other night, and I was like, remember all, like, he was like, my brother was like, remember the M16 BB guns that we got that one year? He said, that was awesome. And I was like, I know. I said, you, I, said I want a BB gun today. Have you seen these things? They're like 1,600 feet per second. By the way, if you don't know how fast that is, like a BB at a, at a pellet on a shotgun is like at 1,400. So 1,600 feet per second on a pellet gun, it's like a rifle. And John goes, we'd be dead. We'd be dead. Because how many times have we shot each other? He goes, you shot me in the mouth. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I would have gone through right through my head, you know? And I was like, calm down. We don't always have to bring up that story every time we talk about a BB gun, you know? <laughs> Some people don't shoot their eyes out. Some people shoot their brother's eyes out. <laughs> Smart enough not to point it back at me, but at someone else. No, that's not good either, right? But they were fun. I had a good time as a kid. I have a lot of great memories from Christmas. It was like second birthday. Right? So you had first birthday, which is your birthday, and on Jesus' birthday, I get still gifts. That's still like my birthday. It's a win-win scenario for me. So it made me remember Jesus just for the sheer fact that I got presents. So, I mean, I, I loved Christmas. I love Christmas. Two times a year, we get presents as a kid, right? And, you know, the, the funny thing is doing research on this, the irony of giving gifts at Christmas, that it wasn't always this way. I don't know if you knew that. Like, Christmas didn't start with, like, hey, we should probably, like, give gifts around the birth of Christ. It didn't start like that. Actually... Uh, this time of year, it's, it's really all happenstance how it kind of developed in there. It was a pagan European holiday called winter solstice. 
And at winter solstice, the, the European people would go around and they'd exchange a gift with their neighbor. And, and th this kind of idea was grafted into Christmas later on once uh, they had, there became a, a significant date that they could attribute the birth of Christ to. And, and basically what they did to graft that in, they basically looked at the Magi who came and gave gifts to Christ and said, hey, this, this kind of works out. We're going to merge kind of the two. And this is where kind of Christmas begin. And while this might be the origin of, of how the American holiday came into full swing, the act of giving or the act of being generous, well, that's not a new thing. That's not new. It's, it's actually a God thing. God gifted us Jesus Christ, who became the salvation of the world. And every year we celebrate the salvation of the world being born into this world, right? So these last two months on the American calendar, they're kind of fascinating to me because they kind of go hand in hand. Right. Having a thankful heart is what allows you to experience Christmas in the way that you're meant to experience Christmas. All right. These two go side by side. There's no way you get to one without the other. It aligns your heart to be in a place of appreciation because what's Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is about being thankful. Thankful allows you to be grateful. A grateful makes you appreciate things. Appreciation presents you and makes you be generous. Right. You appreciate everything, right? That's what Thanksgiving is about as it moves into Christmas, right? And even at Christmas, it's kind of like Thanksgiving because we're meeting together again with family. There's this appreciation. We appreciate our family. We appreciate our friends. We appreciate the things around us like a house. By the way, I've been to places where they don't have houses. It's nice to have one. Uh, we appreciate food on the table. I've been to places where they don't have food on the table. All right? We appreciate clean water. It's kind of a big deal. Hello, America. Uh, we appreciate uh, electricity, and the list can just grow from there. How many appreciate your vehicle that got you here? But there are many places where people ride for miles and miles to go to church just for the day. I mean, it's just how it is, right? And it just keeps going. And, and basically, if you start to look at Thanksgiving as it falls up into Christmas, you find that your appreciation leads you all the way to the birth of Christ. So that you can say with one breath that you're thankful for Jesus, who is born into this world just to die. And that through him I might receive the gift of eternal life. And this is Christmas. This is Christmas. At Christmas we allow the spirit of thanksgiving to reach its basic, basically its maximum potential. Which overflows into generosity. And it's from a spirit of generosity that we give. Right? Our gifts to our kids. We appreciate our kids. We love our kids. We want Christmas is not just like, hey, this is the time of year where I have to go buy something for them. No, no, no. I love them. I want to get them something. It's good. I celebrate it because I love to give. The, the appreciation from Thanksgiving, it's overflowing to the point where it's like, you know what? I love my family. The things that God's given me so much, I kind of still want to give to it. I want to give to it, right? It's how I show my appreciation, right? And ultimately, we see this in the Christmas story. We see, first, we see this first in God, who from the beginning of time, by the time you, you read Genesis chapter 3, right, that he said he would someday birth into this world the answer to all sins so that we would never be divided from him again. Right? He gifted us Jesus. And we see this in the Magi, even in the birth of Jesus in this story, who traveled so far across all sorts of landscapes, they were risking their lives at times just to get a glimpse of God's gift to mankind and like they're driven from their thankfulness and inspired by the greatness of such a gift that they each offered a gift right to the king right because god has given us a gift we give a gift back right their their over thankfulness is overflowing into generosity lastly we see jesus who is born in to this world and he is a gift from god but we see he takes the gift of life 
And he lays it all down. He gives all of it, right? He sacrifices the gift he's given, right? And gives us that gift of his sacrifice so that we might one day be where he is. So there's always this generosity. Always this giving is happening. Always these gifts are changing places, right? Thankfulness drives us to do more than just sit and eat. It propels us into generosity. It drives the gospel message forward, actually. In Acts chapter 2, if you'll turn there, we're going to start there. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit that God gives us. And it pours itself into humanity and salvation starts to spread. The gift of the Holy Spirit is what births the church. So God, from his generosity, who's already given us the salvation of the world, says, and here is another gift by which you will start to bind yourself together in which to share the good news. I'm going to give you a gift. And how did these people respond to the Holy Spirit? What did their thankfulness produce? Well, it produced a devout and generous heart. And here's where we're going to begin this morning. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Are you with me? Say amen. Well, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved so the early church is born out of a thankful heart they appreciate the gift that god has given which is jesus the birth they appreciate the gift jesus has given which is his life which has given you salvation god grants them another gift the holy spirit and in the the powerfulness and in the thankfulness of the holy spirit right the early church is born this thankful heart that they get, is, it begins to push and press them into generosity in and of themselves. It, it is this way not because it's a rule. It's not a holiday at this time, right? It's this way because Christ is this way. It's this way because the Father is this way. When we are generous, we are imitating the Lord. When we are giving, we are imitating the Lord. This is the heart of the one who gave us Jesus to whom we celebrate his birth here in just a few weeks. Sharing and giving is what launched the early church, and it's still in that spirit that the church survives. Come on, man, nobody goes to a non-giving church. Nobody, I mean, one of the biggest things, that one of the reasons why we chose to not buy a building versus getting a space in here, all right, is so that we could help people when it's time to help people. So that finances and things like that, we would sacrifice our comfort for the sake of helping people. Whether that is convenient for us, it's absolutely not convenient for us. It would be way more convenient for us to have a place we can set up and never have to tear down. I know what we ask of you every Sunday. Come in and come out. Every Sunday, you have, you're tearing down. You're helping tearing down. Here's what that allows us to do. It allows us to help people when they have needs. When, when do people come? Now, here's one of the things that we have done. Maybe the reason you don't see maybe us like doing general outreach where we just pour money out, pour money out, pour money out. Because we have a, a, a concept here of wanting to be connected. You know people, and the people in your lives need to see Jesus through you. You go to a church that believes in this through connection. 
All right. And through connection, if you know somebody that needs help and you bring in here and say, listen, I know somebody that financially needs some help. or I know somebody that's burdening in their life right now. They were really trying hard. It's not just giving, but they are really like just having some legitimate struggle. You know what happens in here? We go, OK, how can we help them through you? And the reason why is this. And we're going to really get into this. Matter of fact, why don't I stop and let us get into this? And so you can see why. And right here, we'll just pick it up. When the church functions in the spirit of generosity, when you function in the spirit of generosity, right? This is when you're in the will of God. And when you're in the will of God, God sustains you. And God will sustain this church. And here's why. Uh, Psalm 41, 1 through 3. Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. When you're helping people is what it says. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they are sick. And restores them to health. Oh, the joys to those who are kind to the poor. To those who are kind to the poor is who he's talking about. When you give and when you're generous, when you like the early church, and they give and they were generous, they're handing out all their possessions, they're giving to the poor, they're doing all these things, right? The Lord's going to make sure he takes care of them. The psalmist says that you will experience joy when you give. And that those who give will have the favor of the Lord. So when we have the opportunity to bless somebody, somebody that even you know, not only do they see uh, you uh, who's blessing them, but they start to believe in Jesus through you. They start to see the favor of the Lord upon your life. It says the Lord protects those who give to the poor. That so if trouble should arise, well, you can count on the Lord. Why? Because you've given to the poor. You've given to those who are in need, to those whom he's called to you in need. And you don't have to wrestle with this. This is the will of God. It even says, it goes on to say right there at the psalmist, and you heard him, it says, the Lord even brings healing to those who are generous. And, and, and why does he do this? Why does the Lord, why is he so pushed to be even more generous when I'm generous? Well, Proverbs tells us, Proverbs is the whole book of wisdom, right? And in Proverbs 19.17, he says, if you help the poor, then you're lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. Uh, what does the Lord own? Everything. So when I give, I'm really giving to God, irregardless of what face I see, I'm giving to the Lord. And when I give to the Lord, the Lord is good to pay it back. And by the way, uh, we all know there's nothing that, that doesn't belong to the Lord. And can I tell you something? He gives you back more than just what you think. So he said, Lord, well, I, well, I loaned them this. And most of the time, this is how we think. Well, Lord, I loaned them this, this money or I loaned them this finances, Lord, to help get them out of their trouble. And we think, well, that's what the Lord's going to pay us back in. We think that's how it works all the time, but not necessarily, not necessarily. God can give you more than just what you think. He can give you more than just finances back, right? So I loaned out two or three, four, five hundred dollars. And, and Lord, I, it doesn't matter if I ever give it back. Oh, Lord, I'm good and, and I'm generous. And you know what happens to that person's life? Maybe it's not well, all of a sudden you got your five hundred bucks back. Maybe it's more than that. Because I don't know if you know this, but God can restore relationships back to you that you thought were lost. God can bring back lost children. I know tons of parents that are praying for their kids to come back to Jesus. I can tell you, man, I know tons of teenagers that are praying that their parents will be saved. I can tell you. God returns lost children. He can return lost marriages. And the list goes on. Don't limit what God can do or how God wants to pay back. I'm just telling you this. If you're going to be generous and you're going to sow generosity, be prepared for how God pays you back. It's, it's deeper than you think. We are to believe in the Lord, believe in Christ, and allow thankfulness 
to produce generosity within us. And this generosity will allow us to experience really true peace and true joy. Because it's trusting. We're trusting that God's going to do what he said he will do. And maybe perhaps it's the Apostle Paul who probably gives us one of the greatest insights into a generous life. Turn to the second uh, uh, chapter, or not second, second Corinthians chapter, uh, I think it's chapter 9. Paul spent a great amount of time urging the people there to live and give generously. And in, in my opinion, it's probably the best chapter in the whole Bible that speaks to the gift of generosity. And I don't mean this as us giving a gift, but as God has given us a gift, the gift of being generous. Because the fruit of being generous is internally and personally rewarding. It is, man. I mean, there, to me, there's nothing better than giving. There's, it's one of like, the you want to feel good in life? Like literally feel good? Give. Makes you like feel so good. One of the things I was telling Joy last night, I, I was in here putting every, everything up and laying everything out. And I, and I tell her, I said, you know, I've been doing this for about three years now. And I love it. I love it. And, and I, I said, man, I, this is the one thing I wish I could teach. It seems like work to some. We get in here, we just want to knock it out. But this is why I love it. For me, it's my opportunity to serve you. You know one of the hardest things you face as a pastor? I want to see all of your lives change. But I can't make your life change. You know how frustrating that is? I want you to live in peace and joy in everything that God has for you. But I can't make that happen. So I come up here and I'm faced with an impossible task. And I have to constantly rely on the fact that God changes hearts. I don't. I am just supposed to be obedient. But that's not what I want. What my heart wants is for you to experience change. God's significant change in your life. But you know what I can do? I can come in here and try to make it the most beautiful or the most comfortable place I can for you. I can come in here and try to put carpet down so when we, lay, we get down on our knees, because there should be a time where you get on your knees and you have an altar moment with the Lord so, so we can build an altar and we do that. Or we set up the TV so that the words become easier for you to sing and not like when we started. We started with pieces of paper that we just handed out, you know. And, and, and listen, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. There might be a day where we go back to some of that stuff if that's what the Lord wants. But I will tell you this, all that becomes a moment of love, a moment of giving what? My time. And I was like, this is the one thing I can do. And when I lay out all the wires and I, and I curl them all up and I put the Velcro on them and I make them all nice and neat, right? Listen, I can change the atmosphere or the way this place looks, but I can't change people. So I find this very rewarding. <laughs> it's, I tell people all the time, I love in, when doing things for the church. When we were at First Assembly, I love painting. I don't want to paint my house, but I love painting the church. I love doing things for the Lord, especially physical things. Hey, man, I'll clean this room. You know why? Because I, I can see the fruit of cleaning the room, right? Once it's clean, it's clean. And everybody goes, man, this thing's clean. Man, I hurt my arm pat myself on the back. <laughs> There's a physical reward that lies at the end of that gift, right, of giving. I'm going to give my time. I'm going to paint this thing. So then they walk in, everybody would go. Uh, when we redesigned the fellowship hall over there, and I worked so hard to raise all the money to do it, right? Listen, all, God provided all the means and the, and the ability to, what, what, God provided all the ability. He provided the time for me to do so. He provided the finances by which we did it. All those things God provided. But can I tell you, when people walk in and they go, oh my gosh, look at this place, right? By the way, you know how hard that is to get that from a preacher from a person? <laughs> like, I'm just hoping like from one weekend to the next, man, I just hope they show. 
I, I just hope that God's doing something in their life because I don't always get to see that part. I don't always get to see God make significant changes in people. And, you know, oftentimes, like, uh, I'm going to tell you, like, one of the most frustrating is to raise up kids, especially as a youth pastor who still pastors in this town, is to raise up kids for three, four, five years, go with them through a parent death or anything like that, and see them in a church somewhere else. I'm like, what? I poured five years of my life into them. But somebody else is getting to harvest that seed. But you know what? I'm still trying to remind myself. But look at them. They're in church. That's a win. It's a win. They're going to be in heaven. I'll see them again. We're still worshiping Jesus together. It's going to be awesome, right? But there is, there's those physical things. This is something I can do that I can do and I can see the change. Like if I decided to take something, I could see the physical change. I don't always get to do that in people. So it can be really frustrating. So Paul's trying to say, listen, generosity will become an outwardly thing. You'll be able to see generosity. This will show you. It will bear witness to the fruit of Christians, right? Generosity will prove that they have Christ in them, right? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10. Listen to how he teaches this, and I'm breaking it up into two parts so we can kind of slow this thing down. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10. He says, remember this. All right? Key word, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So Paul says that generosity works a lot like reciprocity. We understand reciprocity. Reciprocity, like if you, if you only sow a little, you only reap a little. But if you sow a lot, then you get to reap a lot. Real simple. However, the choice is yours. The choice is yours on what you give. His only warning really is that you don't be reluctant to give and that you shouldn't give out of feeling pressured to do so. Right? So the tithe is set up in the church. You know, we, we say, hey, if you're tithing, tithing is 10%. We find that all the way back into the Old Testament. But one of the things that the New Testament does put a clause on the tithe, it says, uh, but give with a thankful heart. Give with a thankful heart. Can you give it cheerfully? Can you give your tithe cheerfully? Can I tell you what God's trying to do with your tithe? First of all, He doesn't need your money. That's one of the reasons that Paul gives a big exhortation here. Like, if you can't give it cheerfully or if you feel like you're being pressured, those aren't reasons to give. Because you're just going to be bitter about giving. What God is trying to teach everybody with finances when it comes to tithing or anything else, he's really trying to teach you how to just put him on the throne of all instead of money. Money is not going to get you out of your situation. God gets you out of your situation. God will provide you. If money is what it takes to get out of it, God will provide the money. Oftentimes, God provides that through other people. This is where generosity steps in. God provide a great harvest in another believer. That great harvest produced a harvest of generosity in that believer so that he, he can have the extra to give to you to help you in your time of need. When that harvest comes to your house because you're a giver, and since you, if you give a lot, you'll reap a lot, that's reciprocity, and that's the way gener generosity works according to Paul. Then when the great harvest comes, and that's not for you to squander, it was for you to give. That's how it works. That's why often 
great givers are often usually good at finances. I mean, they understand reciprocity. They understand uh, the gift of giving. They understand how it flows, right? Your giving should be from an overflow of your thankfulness and your gratefulness for what God is doing in your life. That's where it should come from. God doesn't want you to give if you can't do it cheerfully, and neither do we here at this church. However, Paul does remind us that all your seed to which you sow creates the life that you get. This seed comes from God. So what does that mean? It means this. It means that your wife or your husband, they come from God, as awesome and as charming and as witty as you are. Your spouse is given to you by God, by God, to produce a harvest of generosity in you. So out of the love me and my wife have, it has overflowed into what? Three kids, right? It's overflowed. Our love together, we've sowed love together. That love has overflowed into kids. And now where does our love point towards? Our kids. It just overflows. And you know what? If it wouldn't be kids, you know what it'd be? Our friends, our family. That's where it would overflow. There's always a place for it to overflow. Love has no measure. Man, love loves everybody. All this, all this. Listen, your job is a gift from God. Your job. Listen, your intelligence and your ability to do your job comes from God. I know you were awesome at the interview and you nailed it. And you're super smart. But that's because God made you that way. All your gifts, all the things you have, they come from God. All is a gift from God. And it's given to you so that you will sow it back into the ground. And if you know this and you'll remember this, then Paul says it'll produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Right? From the overflow of that appreciation, right? The overflow of the appreciation into the seed that God has given you will flow more uh, uh, you will flow more in seed than you actually need. And you'll cheerfully give some of what God has given you, the extra, right, the overflow. You'll give that into somebody else, and they'll get to experience the overflow of your life. And that's how it works, right? So when we help anybody, like even when we help anybody in the church, you know what that is? That's the overflow. The overflow of generosity from you allows the church to conglomerately help somebody else. It's your overflow, It's all our overflow, right? It's poured into a place so that we can help out from everywhere. We can branch this tree out from everything, right? It's from our roots another tree is born. The acorns fall and another tree is born. That's what happens. It's from generosity. It's overflowing. Now read on to verse 11 right there. Paul says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result in this ministry of giving. Listen to these results. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. And as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them, and all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Jesus Christ, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. So Paul tells us if we will allow our thankfulness to create the spirit of generosity within us, causing us to give to others, it will not only bless us, but it will bless others to the point that they will thank God. They will be so thankful to the Lord. And Paul called this the ministry of giving. I love that. He, he, he kind of titled that thing. And the ministry of giving is really changing people's lives by simply giving them a gift. Changes people's lives. 
Man, I can't tell you, uh, one of the first outreaches I did in Marl Falls for my first year being here, hadn't even been here fully a year, so we gave away a bunch of shoes to kids. Incredible. Incredible. Probably do that in here someday. Uh, you know, the irony about changing lives, it changes you both. When you give to someone, not only does it change their life and you see the Lord light them up, right? Because they're usually, when you're giving or, or God's flowing it, usually into somebody who needs it. And it changes their life. They feel this appreciation. They feel the love of God. They feel those things, right? But it also, like in you, you get the gift, too, of giving, of being the giver. And being the giver is an awesome place to be. You're like, yes, thank you, God. You know how hard it is to always feel like you're making a difference? How hard it is? You, sometimes you just feel like you're going uphill and you're fighting. Something. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a giver, you're making a difference. You might not always get to see it at times, but then there's times where you do. And I tell you, it's so rewarding that it makes you keep giving. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So this generosity, it's not only blessed, but it blesses them. Paul called this the ministry of giving, changing lives by simply giving gift. He specifically points out that in this ministry, you will meet the needs of those to whom you give to and that they will joyfully, it says joyfully, express their thanks to God. Then Paul called this thing, and I love this, maybe more than anything else, he called this your ministry. God has given you a ministry already. Everybody possesses this ministry. Because everybody sows. And because everybody sows, everybody reaps. Well, I don't reap that much. Sow more. Sow more. Right? What do we tell our kids? Well, if you work harder, what happens generally? You get more. Right? I mean, one of the, I think the best jobs I ever got, um, by the way, I was horrible in high school. Like, I didn't keep a job past a week or two. I'm like, oh, I got to come in again? I quit, you know? It's Saturday. I'm not coming in. Well, you're at school Monday through Friday. So, I mean, I'm not coming in. How about just pay me to just not come in? I mean, like, I was horrible, horrible worker, right? I get out of the Marine Corps, one of the best jobs. So I really didn't have a lot of work experience. It was horrible. And the first job I get outside of the Marine Corps, which I did learn a little bit of discipline, obviously coming out of the Marine Corps, was a commission job. I made 35% of whatever the record made. And I was like, man, 35% of whatever the record makes, and the record makes pretty good. And if I hustle, I can make a little bit more. And man, before I knew it, I was in the 90s, and maybe, I don't know what, I'm not trying to put this out there as like a brag or anything, but when you're 23, and I was taking home a thousand bucks a week with no bills, just joy as a girlfriend, <laughs> I'm telling you, I felt like I was just loaded. Like, I, the, set, the weird crazy part is, like, I, my rent in 1994 was the same rent I got right now. That's how I was living, like, on, like, way too big. Like, dumb. Like, I have no money left over after my check. You know what I'm saying? Like, way too much. Like, this, yeah, the 23, I was not money smart, but I was, I will work to make a lot smart. And the commission taught me one thing, taught me a great work ethic. Like, man, if I hustle, I can make a lot of money. If I give my time, now I work 17 hour days, but heck, I'm 20. By the way, if you're 20 and you ain't working 17 hour days, you can. <laughs> Don't grab and complain about working long hours. When you're 20, that's what God made you for. <laughs> I heard a guy say this to me. Uh, he said he learned this from his dad, construction guy. He said uh, his dad told him this. He says, when you're in your 20s, he said, you work like you ain't got no tomorrow. He's like, man, you'll have a life one day. He said, but you work like crazy in your 20s while you got the back to work. And he says, by the time you're 30s, that'll narrow down. You'll start working less hours and less hours because you've worked so hard in your 20s where you can do that. He said, by the time you're 40, you're just working a 40-hour work week and having all your weekends and enjoying your life with your kids and being able to go to the things they go to. And by the time you're 50, if you're smart enough and worked as hard just like that through that, you'll be retired. Dude, he's on his way. I can tell you that. 
He's on his way. And he's a kid who's lost everything and had to go fight for it to get it all back. And I'm telling you, he is way on his way. His work ethic is second to none. And I tried to get him in church all the years that I knew him. And he used to go, why are you hanging around us? We're like the worst type of people. Because I believe in you. I would tell him, I believe in you. Today, he's married, got two kids. And man, he's going to church on Sundays. And it's neat to see his life now. Thank God for his wife who reeled him in. Praise God for holy women. Amen. Amen. The ministry of giving. Your ministry. And this isn't a ministry reserved for wealthy. Listen, guys. It, is, it, it, it isn't reserved to organizations like the church. Uh, you can be a giver in your life at any time, any place. It's your ministry. How you give and what you give. Listen, you know, one of the things we say when churches are doing uh, a big you know, like building projects and things like that, we would always say, listen, equal, maybe not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. We all make a different money, but a sacrifice for you might not be a sacrifice for somebody else, that same dollar amount, but a sacrifice is still a sacrifice. All right. Don't sweat what other people are giving. You do what you can. And listen, can I tell you something? If you become a giver and you start giving and you start doing things, I remember Joy and I, one of the, maybe the neatest like experiments we did one time was when, when I was, you know, making a lot more money as an engineer and uh, we had our own place, and I wasn't in, like, say, pastoral ministry just yet. I was kind of just like, like an unpaid staff with the church. Um, I made pretty good money, and we had a lot of the normal comforts everybody else has. We had a nice direct TV thing going on, man. And I mean, dude, Lost was big, and we were heavy into Lost. And God came to us and said, listen, I want you to start raising money for missions. And the first thing we did was cut our TV bill. I was like, how are we going to know what's going on on Lost? Praise God for the internet, right? Uh, and Blu-rays, yes. Um, and and uh, we, we took that money that we were paying for our TV bill, and every month we paid the church for missions. And then, you know what happened? Like, we started to, to like, look at our statement at the end of the year, like what we gave the church, and see how much more of a percentage it was. Like, and you know, you, you, you're paying 10%. And that's all going to the church. And we knew what that 10% would be because we know what we make, right? But we were like, man, let's see if we can make it 15. Ooh. And then it became like a really neat deal to see what that statement was going to be at the end of the year. Like, man, I wonder how much we can give. Like, how, how crazy can this get? Can I give 15? Can I give 20? How crazy can I get on this? How, how narrow down can I give? One of the other guys that inspired me during this time um, was this... Uh, Older Hispanic guy who was really good at face-to-face witnessing, really good. Poor as all get out. Poor, poor. And over the years, had watched him. He had gone blind. Other things in his life had happened. And so he would come, and he'd always be like shouting the praise of God from the front row. Like even when he went blind, he was still shouting the praises of God from the front row, right? Well, they're doing this big building thing going on. We're still giving to missions, and we're trying to give to this building thing, and we're really trying to see what we can do. And they're like calling for like, the way they're doing it is like, hey, it's going to be $1,500. You buy a brick. We'll do this like, hey, in memory of whatever, you know, you want to put on the brick. And, and I'm thinking 1500 bucks. Like, I'm just trying to give to missions. Like, I'm gived out. You know, like, I love, my, I love my church there because they'll have like six offerings, you know. Aren't you glad you don't come down? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I started just carrying like dollar bills. Like, here's $2. Here's $3. That way I give like a total of 10 by the end of the day. And it was put something in the offering plate every time. I always felt weird for it to come by and you didn't have anything. And especially when you're seeing teenagers give all the time. Like, dang, teenagers, where are they getting all this money? And one of the things about this older Hispanic guy that really challenged me in giving 
was he raised his hand for this brick. I said, where's that guy going to get 1500 bucks? I mean, like, it's not like he's getting it from work. He's blind now. He doesn't work. He's poor as dirt. Where is he getting the money? How is that guy stepping up in faith going, I'll get the 1500 bucks. How is that happening? Can I tell you, that guy went and asked everybody he knew because he believed. Like, I felt so small. Like, and my faith was so little that, man, that he could do that. And he had no problem. Like, I'm building God's church. I'll go ask everybody. He asked everybody, hey, what can you give? I'm buying, I've got this. I need 1500 bucks. I'm giving it straight back to the church. We're doing this thing. And he went and told them the whole pitch, the same as the pastor did, blind and all to all his friends. And they'd give him like a dollar here, five bucks here, 10 bucks here, till that guy got $1,500. I was like, man, that guy's a go-getter. And man, he was an, he's an incredible witness for the Lord. I think he's passed on now. Incredible witness for the Lord. I see him bring so many people to Jesus that were on the streets and bring them in and watch their lives get changed. I mean, his, his life was incredible, was incredible. Shape, shaped my life, man, just watching him and, and watching it shape my life, you know. Incredible stuff. The ministry of giving, your ministry can come in however fashion you want. You just have to believe it. You just have to believe it. It's there. It's there to be had. The principles are set up, right? And here's the thing. It's not like you have to go after it intentionally. Nobody's asking you to like, hey, so if I do this, and it's like a mathematician thing in your life, if two plus, if I do this plus this, it will equal this. Listen, just allow thankfulness and gratefulness to overflow in your life, and generosity will come naturally. Don't let money be the thing that binds you. Don't, listen, your finances are not taken care of by, by, by money. They're taken care of by God. God will supply all your needs. Right? Think first upon the kingdom. God will supply everything else. Trust that the Lord. Now, I saw somebody the other day, they did it right. They were like, you know, Jesus is number one, the head of the household. He's the head, not your spouse. Jesus is the head. I, this is one thing that allows me and Joy to not have arguments. When Joy knows the bills are tight, she doesn't come to Jim like, Jim, what are you going to do? She goes, Jesus, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I see my husband. I know he's working. I know he's doing things. What are you going to do, Jesus, to allow this moment to take place? What are you going to do, Lord? And she seeks him first. And I'm telling you, all things come from that. All things come from that. It's not reserved just for the church. And listen, if you do this, if you will... Allow thankfulness, and if you will allow gratefulness to overcome your life and allow it to overflow to the point of generosity, and you do it enough, can I tell you what you'll get? You'll give a reputation for being a giver. You'll get that reputation. And why is that important? Because people see Christianity in you. People will see Jesus in you. Paul said that everyone will see that you are obedient to the good news of Jesus Christ. They will see your Christianity, and here's what they do. It says that they will pray for you and give thanks for you. And this is what he says, and they'll give thanks to God for birthing a person like you into this world. You know why? Because we give thanks to God for birthing a person like Jesus into this world. And when they see the generous giver, you know what they see? They see Jesus. So every time you're generous and every time you're giving and every time you're blessing others, you know what they see? They see Christmas in you. They believe Jesus is born because they see him in you. 
In this way, the whole world gets to share in the gift of Christmas. Every time you're generous, the whole world gets to share in this gift. Let's bring the worship back in. All from generosity, all coming, they get to experience Christ through your generosity. And Paul closed off his remarks with this. He said that generosity is this, a gift too wonderful for words. So that means there's no way to describe how it feels to be generous and be on the other side of generosity. I don't know how to tell you how good it feels. I remember uh, Pastor Harris, my pastor up north, and I've been the recipient at this time at times where things are difficult or things are hard. And, and he's like, you know what? Uh, uh, when we were in between even here uh, and trying to figure out what we're going to do here, and I was, uh, whether you realize it or not, I worked like three jobs and was trying to get this thing moving in year one. I worked three jobs, teaching, uh, I worked at the YMCA with Michael, and I worked out of Hidden Falls and was trying to do church at the same time. And I did that for a year, huh? And uh, it, was, it was a long year because I worked seven days a week for a long time. And I, uh, but here's the thing is about how that I'd go up there to Terrell on a weekend. Pastor Harris would say, hey, why don't you come re- preach and let us bless you? Let us hear your story. Let us hear what's going on and then let us bless you. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like being on the other end. As much as I've been able to bless others and give to others and serve others, which is the greatest blessing of my life. It's what makes me want to come in every Saturday night and set this thing up because I want to serve you. you ha- if I could ever give to you that little bit of a feeling that I get what, uh, in serving you, I think that you would go crazy. You, you would be it would overflow in your life and you would see so much difference and so much change in your life. And listen, when, when I went up there and I went and uh, preached and he brings me down and he hugs me and he, and he pulls me and he goes, this is one of ours, right? Pastor Harris goes, this is one of ours. This is one of ours that we sent out. We sent out into the unknown. And he's come back, and here he is. He's still working the field. He's still working it. And even though it's gotten difficult, he's still plowing the ground. And he goes, now, folks, let's love him. And let's show, us, let's show them our, our, our love for them. And let's show them how generous and how, how we believe in them, right? And then, man, he comes up and he's hugging on me. And it's just like one person after another just comes up and starts hugging. And if you don't start crying by that moment, you're just heartless. Come on. And we just start crying, right? And they take up this huge offering, and it totally meets where our needs are at this moment. Because I'm working three jobs because it's just not making it, you know? But, hey, the Lord's given me the ability to work. The Lord's given me a strong back. Praise God for however long that lasts. Strong knees. Praise God for however long that lasts. And the mind to get some work done. And so God gave me that season where I had three. And you know what? And God narrowed it. I just stayed faithful. And God narrowed it down to two. And then God narrowed it down to one. And now we get to do what we get to do. And it's awesome. And it's wonderful. I've never known anything that didn't have some kind of hardship on the front end. But what I do know about is this. Generous people have changed my life. Generous giving people have changed my life. And I'm telling you, from their overflow, I've experienced the gift that is too wonderful for words. And if Paul called this thing your ministry. He didn't call this the church ministry. He said your ministry is the gift of generosity. You can have this. You can have joy. You can have peace. You can live in the overflow of that gift. And it starts with being thankful and being grateful and allowing thankfulness and gratefulness uh, to permeate within you to the point 
until it overflows. And when it overflows, you won't have to think about giving. It'll just happen. You'll want to. Because you'll finally appreciate all that God has given you. And in that appreciation, you're going to want others to have that same appreciation. Ultimately, you know how Christianity really spreads? Because we just want others to see God like we see him. That's probably the greatest frustration of my life. I just wish others could see God like I see it. If they could see God and see what he's done for me. If they could just see how he's changed my life. See, you, you see the after effect. There's kids and stuff who can't ever fathom and imagine me ever being the bad guy. But there was a time where I was the bad guy. I am the Paul. Paul, can you, can you think about his life? Paul killed Christians. And I, I wonder if sometimes he wasn't driven out of his own guilt. You ever think about that? How many, like, I don't know if you're like me, but there's sometimes where I'm driven by that. A little bit by the guilt. Like, God, like you had to die for me because I'm pretty sure that's the only way I was getting into heaven. Like, some of you are pretty good, but me, mm-mm. I know who I am. And, and some of that knowledge is what allows me to flow in the thankfulness of God. That constant reminder of, Lord, nobody else might see it, but I can't ever escape my past. My past is there always. Am I forgiven? Yes. But my past sits back there, and it's a reminder of one thing, man, to be thankful to the Lord. He's changed me from the inside out. And today, the person you get to see is the redeemed Jim. Because my wife met the other one. He's not a friendly guy. But God has done something incredible. We, we have a saying around here, my wife will tell you too. Anytime that, listen, when people, if people make you upset, if somebody bothers you, the way I've always looked at it is this, anybody plus Jesus is awesome. If we can just get somebody saved, they're going to be awesome. Because they'll become what? Jesus. And Jesus is awesome. Jesus is your best friend. Jesus listens to you. You know, you know this, as crazy as this seems? Listen, even though Jesus points to what's right and wrong, you know Jesus never calls you a name. And even when you're acting horrible, Jesus don't say, quit acting horrible. You know what he'll usually say that breaks you? Jesus will say, he'll come up to you and say, hey, beautiful. And you're like, I'm not, be man, now I'm really guilty feeling. <laughs> like there are times where I thought, you know, like, man, Lord, I'm the worst. And, I'm not, and he would say, listen, son. Oh, my God, you call me son. I'm the worst. <laughs> I am the worst. And, like, that's how he is. He's going to win you with love, right? And, and I'm telling you, the more you become like Christ, you're going to be generous. You're going to be like him. And you know what that gift is when he talks to you like that? It's the gift of love. Still giving. It's the gift of grace to see you as not as you are, but what you can be. And as we approach, we, we just got through with Thanksgiving. That should have been a practice on grace. All right? We're about to hit Christmas again. You're about to see all these family members again. Time to practice grace. Time to practice love. Right? Time to practice these things, right? Because when people say, what, is, what did he just say? When they see our generosity, what did he say? They will thank God for it. Not only us, but they will, they will thank God and give him glory. You make, literally will make believers in Jesus by the way you act or by the way you give is what the Bible says. Let's worship the Lord and think about that.